You know, we're back. I, it's It's been a little bit, but we're starting things back up again. I'll give you a little insight into what's going on. That's right. We're here to help you acquire, identify, and retain the most valuable asset you can have in business today, and that is a customer. It starts with the customer, and sadly, your business comes to an end when you have none of them left. That's right. So whoever dies with the most customers is the winner. That's right. I'm here to help you get your sales game on, to help you close more selling opportunities with your customers. And so it's all sorts of fun. And how do I do this? Well, I take my 30 plus years of selling technology and at some of the highest levels in the in the whole world. I work with some of the coolest companies and we get to help them and the, some of the best salespeople on the planet. Let me tell you, and I've learned some stuff. So I'm going to talk to you about some of those things and we're going to help you get your sales game on. So stick around. For the podcast, that's right. It is Hustle is the Hack, and I am back, baby. We're back. That's right. We're back. I've been out of the. We've been out of the game for a little bit. We're back, baby. That's right. I'm back. So I've been out a little bit, and it's been fun. I can tell you a little bit about that. I got actually a new gig at work over the last few months, and so I was all set to start up again in July. And I came to the end of our fiscal year and I got reorged into another team. And so, well, here you go. It just been a little bit of delay, but absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's right. That's what happens. And so we're here to help you just continue the game, man. And I spent a little time over the summer doing a little bit of reading and hanging out and getting, getting my head in the, in the game a little better. And I'm excited about, about this next go round with the, with the old podcast Ola. I had actually, I've been my new boss and she said, when I met her, she's like, Oh, I, I listened to your podcast. And I'm like, what? You've listened to my podcast. I kind of felt a little embarrassed, actually. So that wasn't good. That wasn't good. I'm like, is she judging me? I hope I'm doing a good job. I don't know. It just, it seems really, I don't know why I was so kind of like freaked out about that. So Catherine, if you're listening right now, I, I hope I'm doing a better job than, than, than the one you heard. Anyways, no, she liked it actually. She liked it very much. And I kind of do this at work. This is kind of the stuff that I do at work. Actually, I do a lot of sales coaching and onboarding for salespeople. Cause why? Because Pierre's been in the tech sales business for a long time. I sold my first computer back in 1989. And uh, so I've been in technology sales ever since then. And I started selling it at a computer retailer locally here in town. And today I, I run the sales readiness, which is kind of onboarding and training for a whole group of people 
around the world, a whole sales organization at Microsoft. So, so I'm a global director of selling for one of the groups at, at our, at our company. And you can look it up on LinkedIn and see all the stuff that I do over there. That's not what's important today. What's important today is you and I in this little conversation that we are about to get involved in. So I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast. It's been a little bit of time since things have lapsed and I've kind of broken one of the cardinal rules of podcasting, which is, you know, you have to be consistent. That's what everybody says. And you know what? Consistency is helpful and important. But, you know, you also have, want to keep your job, you know, your paying job and stuff like that. So and this podcast really isn't set up necessarily to be monetized. I don't really make a, a ton of cash. I don't have I'm not selling anything that's, you know, I'm not selling you a course or a book or anything like that or come and be, you know, I'm not I'm not going to charge you for sales coaching. What I have found and what's very rewarding for me is the friends that I have made over the my career and especially new people that are coming into the selling game, this is for you. This this podcast is for you specifically. I'm trying to impart and help you as a, as a brand new salesperson or if you own a business and you're trying to grow it, these are kind of the insider components that you'll want to start to consider bringing into your sales game and, and, and whatnot. So anyways, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, Pierre? We're going to start a whole series. And over this next year, we are going to spend time going kind of deep diving into individual ideas as opposed to just, you know, giving you tons all the time. One podcast, one great idea. So we're going to start off this podcast with number one sales tip on the list. I've got 56 one for every week of the year that we're going to go over. And number one, is uh, here you go. It's not what you say, it's what your customers believe. And uh, boy, man, the first thing there, this kind of a deep conversation here. There's two ideas in this. One of it, it's not what you say. And man, salespeople love to hear themselves talk, don't they? They love to talk and talk and chatter and, and you know, pitch and talk and, and, and learn all about dialogue and controlling the conversation and, you know, influence and all of the things that, that go along with this. You know, the big book that we all read at the very beginning, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, because it's all about how we impact them, right? That's that's kind of what we want to think that's the most important thing that's happening in the sales dialogue. And it really is not about that in any way, shape or form. And you know why this is. And we want it. I want to just assault this directly. It isn't what you say. It's what your customer believes. So there's two things that are happening. One is sometimes you're talking way too much. You're saying way too much and not listening enough to those customers needs and what they are believing today and the only way that you can get kind of a customer a prospect from a prospect to a customer is often to change their beliefs or influence the change of a belief as opposed to directly pressuring them to to buy something and so like there's a lot of i call them manipulative sales models and a lot of us learn this i have certainly learned it in my early years it used to be a really big thing of all the different closing techniques and how we can manipulate individuals into either tricking them or putting a lot of pressure on them 
And it has nothing to do then with the customer's, let's say, belief. Their only belief is they want to just get rid of you because they don't like you. And so you kind of set up an adversarial relationship with a customer when you're going down that manipulative selling model and you're trying to control people. And today, that's just so far from the way any successful salesperson that I, I have met that's doing really well works anymore. Unless you're selling car stereos out of the back of your truck or something like that. Or trying to sell you know vacuum cleaners door to door. This is kind of what, what has given salespeople such a bad name. But so I'm going to keep going back on this. Not what you say, it's what your customer believes. And so there's two things, like I mentioned, one is the saying of stuff. I'm the salesperson, I'm saying some stuff. And so I need to think about my words. I need to choose them carefully, actually. And I, I don't want to be in love with my own voice to hear it. A couple things about that kind of dynamic. One is some people say, hey, God gave you one mouth and two ears. You should use your you should use them in that proportion, meaning you should listen twice as much as you talk. And that is, I think, very, very true, isn't it? If we listen twice as much as we talk, that's a good guide. If we're talking way too much and the customer isn't saying anything or the prospect isn't saying anything, they're disengaged. You're not preaching. You're, you're berating people then. And so that's not, that's not how it works. You, you want to be able to address the needs that somebody has needs in this. I'm going to come back to needs here in a minute. Needs is really important. We want to find out what their need is and address the needs because what happens is needs that people have leads them to believe something. And it's the something that they believe that leads them into action. And so when we're trying to influence that belief, that belief window, I'm going to use this terminology here that came up by uh, was kind of coined by the founder of Franklin Planner, one of the first guys to write the Franklin Planner and the Co Franklin Covey methodology for planning and, and kind of a lot of salespeople got into this back in the 80s. His name was Hiram Smith, and he was one of the guys that came up with this concept of a belief window. And, and so we're, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about what a belief window is. And it's addressing that, that concept of we have kind of core needs, human needs at different levels. And those, you know, inform a certain set of beliefs that we have. And then, then we build rules and, and have behaviors and actions as a result of that. So if we want to influence that belief that somebody has, we have to really choose our words carefully. And so let me, let me give you a couple phrases that a, a salesperson says that's dismissive of customers' beliefs or customers' needs that they have, actually, because that's where we want to get. We want to listen to their needs and find out what they need, as opposed to ta saying, hey, it's no big deal. Well, for some customers, it is a big deal. If, if we're saying the price, you know, hey, that's the way I'm going to overcome an objective, you know, it's and they're saying, I, I don't know if I can really afford this. And they're saying, eh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. You know, it might not be a big deal to you, but rest assured, if customer thought that something that they were going to bring to their attention and say that this is a problem or a concern, then it's a big deal to them. So instead of saying it's not a big deal, we should be saying something like, well, well, what do you mean by that? And tell me more. 
a lot of times when, and this is something as you grow in selling, when you start selling things that cost more than your house or cost more than your car, some people have a hard time, even in business, spending something like a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars because they look at that number and they, to them, they think about it like it's a car or that's my, you know, that's as much as a college degree. And so, and when we say, well, that's not that big of a deal, that's not that much money, you know, we're not really addressing that, that understanding. And what we want to do is lean into that a little more. Tell, well, tell me more. What does that mean to you? And why, why is that? Why is that such a big deal? The other one is to just be dismissive of people and say, well, don't worry about it. We know we'll take care of that later on, or we'll address that during the deployment and so what, what we say when we say, don't worry about it, it's like we don't really know how to handle customers' anxiety or their kind of personal or business issue, really. And it's just a throwaway line. You know, worry is really healthy for some people. It helps them because they're risk averse or because they've been down this road before. You're not really addressing those concerns that they have that are going to inform their behavior and this is how you talk yourself out of a sale. You just dismiss a customer's worry. A prospect is worried. Well, that's a real feeling that they have. People buy for very personal reasons or they're going to recommend for personal reasons. And so if they have a concern or a, a worry, it is something that you need to legitimately address. And I'm telling you, if you are especially in the technology sales or managing a complex sale where there's many people involved in the decision making process, this is one that is a giant red flag. If somebody says, hey, I'm worried about, you know, the deployment or I'm worried about the security impacts of this system, you know, I don't really feel like we're going to use this in the long run or we're going to get those productivity gains that you talked about. You know, those are actual real live concerns and to be dismissive and say, don't worry about it. That's not good at all. We, we, we are talking ourselves out of a sale because as soon as you walk out the door, they're going to still have that worry. They're still, you haven't addressed their belief or the need that they have. They're gatekeepers often in that complex sale. At least in my world, those are gatekeepers in the complex sale. And so if I'm not addressing their, then they need to, you know, that's their job. Their, their job is to be responsible for the security of the company or something like that, or, or for the confidential nature of the customer's, you know, data or whatever that need that's being expressed. If I don't address it or find a way to, to pull out what the issue is or get the real issue, then, then I'm just kind of in trouble. Ultimately, the other one that, you know, we say all the time when you compare one customer to another or something like that, a husband or a best friend by saying something like he's similar or there's other other forms of that kind of dismissing somebody's concern. And it sounds, you know, that sounds just like, you know, customer B and they had a problem like that. And we just took care of that. Don't, so don't worry about it at all. They said the same thing. And look, they're still a customer of ours. That doesn't address their concerns still. That doesn't address their things. And it's really dismissive of their actual problems. So what you should be saying, I think I can help with this. I think I can help with this. Just, you know, if you're going to say, I think I can help and you want to compare 
Well, you can say, I, I think we can help with this. I had another customer that had a similar concern and this is how they addressed it, blah, blah, blah. And then, but instead of just saying, you know, hey, we took care of that with another customer, so don't worry about it. That's not not a big deal kind of a thing. You know, so if they're they're brave enough to talk to give you because people don't like saying no, <laughs> they don't like saying no. They want to say yes. They want to get you out and get going. And so, so if you're we're gonna address that by you know saying I think I can help with this, and give them uh, a direct uh, address of the concern that they have or the objection, just directly deal with. You know, oh, this is one that just. This this one killed me all the time when I was when I was working in retail. My one of my sales directors, he would always say something like this. He would say something. He would say, you, you know, you know, it's like you don't understand what I'm talking about. And what they would say is like the reason a customer says no, a customer should never say no, because what that means is when you hear no, it just means you just haven't explained it good enough to them. Like you're basically saying the customer is stupid. They don't seem to understand you. The problem may be that you're the one that's not being clear. If they're like, don't get it. And you're saying, well, um, you know, just dismissing that it could be that actually you're the idiot in the room, not doing a good job of explaining this well. And so you can imply that the customers are, are, are thinking through this. And so instead of saying, well, you're kind of overthinking this or, you know, trying to just bully them, you say, no, what can I clarify? Ask them specifically what they don't understand or ask them specifically, but no doesn't mean you didn't explain it good enough. That means you asked for the sale before they fully understood maybe what they needed. So I, I don't think you're listening to me is a, something that a customer would say. Like you, customers are distracted during conversations by multiple things. You know, they, they, they get distracted. One of those things could be the way you're presenting the information, perhaps in a scripted or dull pace or a condescending tone or something like that. Instead, say, you know, please tell me what's not clear. Just be, this is called a dialogue, people, and you're in the middle of that dialogue with folks. And so these are the things that, you know, we say to customers all the time and, and it puts them off. And the general theme, the general theme is one of empathy. The general theme of winning here is like listening, actually expressing concern or like actually listening to somebody and then repeating what their concern was and then, you know, trying to address the issue so that you have clarity in what you're trying to say to them. And so it's not what you say, so to speak. It's what a customer believes is what I'm saying. So we're addressing those beliefs. And so let's think about this in a linear fashion. We as individuals have human needs. We have or a business has business needs. The, those are like, I want to be loved. I want to feel like important. I want to have a variety of things in my life. I love to travel. I like, you know, I like uh, people to appreciate me. I want to live. You know, we have these needs. Mav, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Businesses have the same kind of concepts. We have established things that we have to do and we need them every day to survive. And businesses aren't, aren't, aren't any different than that. And so that 
set of human needs that we have builds a what we'd like to refer to as a belief window. Those are the principles by which I operate. So because I want to be loved and appreciated, that means I know the principles of giving. And so I'm going to give myself to people that I love. And so, you know, you have to be a friend to be befriended by other people. And so I'm going to be friendly. So you have this set of beliefs and principles that guide your life. And those beliefs actually establish behaviors and rules that you live by. And if, you know, if somebody feels, you know, that their human need is to be loved and their principles and beliefs are like, are, are formed by that, then those actions and behaviors are going to give them certain results. And the results they get kind of feedback into that set of human needs. And so this is good and can also lead to really bad behaviors. The concept of belief windows and then that lead to bad behaviors and give us bad results in life like addictions give us that feedback of not feeling good about ourselves. And so maybe I my at the core, my principle is I, I feel really bad about myself. I have a low self-esteem. And so because of that, I engage in behaviors and take actions that um that are bad for me. Maybe I do drugs or or something like that, or or I I I choose bad relationships or people that don't appreciate me that push me down. And so the results of those actions feed into like, yeah, I pick people that feed that belief that I am not loved and I have a low self-esteem. And so the results of those behaviors push my self-esteem even lower. And so that kind of becomes a vicious circle of a the poor decision making that feeds poor self esteem that makes me make even worse decisions. So if do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? That that belief that we have has behaviors and results. So if I think, hey, I'm an important person, um, I value my my life and my self esteem, and so I'm going to pick and hang around people that you know that help boost me up and lift me up and and are positive influences in my life. And so as a result of those behaviors and actions, that feeds that belief, then that right back into that belief and and guides principles, because now I'm hanging out with people that are positive, that lift me up, that are friendly to me, that, you know, help my self-esteem. And so then I am making the right choices and, you know, it just improves that and I get a positive feedback loop. So this makes a positive feedback loop in a very simple way. And this is the same thing that happens with customers. Customers have this belief window that they might think you're shady or they might think that you're awesome. Depends on the research and stuff like that that they've done up to that point. Remember, most of your customers have already, like if they're walking into your store or you're engaging with them for the first time, they've actually already engaged with you before you even know about it because they've gone out and done their research on the internet. They read the reviews of your product and they, they have, they've done some research on what you're talking about. And so this is what feeds, feeds their behaviors. And so that's why when we're talking to folks, like I was saying earlier, these things that you shouldn't say, because those walk away from the belief window, they shrink that belief window for people, 
or they they ignore those beliefs and needs of people. We just want to have people to take the actions and see the results in my favor towards us. Hey, I want you to sign the contract, but I've not addressed their needs. I don't even understand their needs or the beliefs that they have. And so I always say it's like, you know, stepping up to the plate and looking for the home run. You just want the home run. And so it's like, no, you want the game. You need to have you need to play the journey out. You need to let people like, you know, cathartically go through their process of expressing their needs and and understanding their beliefs then. And then if I can't influence that and I'm in a negative position, I might need to walk away. In the big picture of selling, we call that qualification. You call that qualifying a customer. You ask about their needs, the situation, the problem, the implications, and the needs of the, that that they have. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can talk about around selling that has to do with understanding people's needs. And we call that, obviously, discovery and the discovery of customers' needs. And uh, there's a great, great book on selling that I, I recommend every salesperson read. It's called Spin Selling. And uh, Spin Selling is by Neil Rackman. It is, you know, it's one of those books that you should, everybody in sales should read it because it gives you a basic understanding of a sales strategy that, and it's really more about the dialogue that we have in selling. I've, I've talked about different methodologies before. You know, we have all these different solution selling methodologies and different sales methodologies, Sandler's methodology. There's all these different sales methodologies. So as a salesperson, you really have two things. You have the dialogue that we get engage in and we have methodology that we follow. I like to think of spin selling as the dialogue part. It's a set of questions. It's a framework for discovery on any level, on any level. So I just love it. This is really one of my favorite components. It's really understanding the customers. It's very simple. Situation, problem, implication, and need. And so if I want to understand what that need is of the customer, that's going to inform that belief window and ultimately the actions, then so I can come up with a strategy of how to influence maybe their beliefs, I have to understand how they're getting to that belief and what leads to belief. What did I just say in that belief window? It is it is your needs. And so you need to understand the needs of a customer before you can ever close a sale and get a commitment. Needs are really important. And so understanding that situation, that problem, the implications and the need payoff that they have is what that book delves into. And it really helps prevent objections in many ways, because what you're doing, it's like <laughs> it's like a, a, a guilty defendant going into court that was videotaped, you know, shooting the victim. And and the, the lawyer's walking in the room and he's saying, you know, you know, yes, he was witnessed standing over the body of the victim with a gun in his hand. We're not going to dispute that. You know, we want to tell you the reason why that happened and what led up to that. And 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 he's going to tell you a story of that. And so what what happens is he is putting on the table any potential objection. I'm not going to address the obvious, you know, that I've got other ways to, to deal with this. So it's kind of the same concept here. What we're doing is we're actually trying to not overcome objections. We're trying to prevent objections by understanding the need ob objectives that the customer has. 
And during our opening calls and our preliminary, our, our turning the theory of this into the actual practice, it's adopting these different principles of understanding people's situation and then then the specific problems that lead that they're trying to address the implications of those problems and then you know ultimately what that need payoff is for them and that's how we are able to influence folks without you know controlling them because that idea back in the day was you know we could really you know we could we could do a great job at getting people to do what we needed to do we could really pressure them by you know narrowing their choices down by all these different manipulative behaviors kind of the I, lo I love these i kind of make a joke of them now it's pretty funny we used to go through the all the the all the different closing models maybe i should do that one a show go through all the different closing techniques you know that you have like the alternate close being hey do you want us to deliver that you know appliance on tuesday or wednesday so you're really not giving the customer an opportunity to say hey i don't i don't really want it you're 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 just moving right to the to the 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 the, the implementation so you're not even giving them a chance to say no that's called the alternate close there's just all these different kind of manipulative ways that you know that used car salespeople typically are the ones that or when you're selling that kind of business to consumer stuff door-to-door -door selling the yes 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 close there's just all these different closes that that are are used in order to get people to manipulate them and and we're in a world that it's very hard to manipulate people like that anymore because of choices and people are way better educated about your products and how the you know kind of universe of choices that they have you know sits sits for them so anyways I, I just hope you enjoyed this time that we had together. We are coming to the end of our time together. Let's get the, oh, there we go. Yes, that's right. It's the end of the podcast and we are at Hustle is the Hack. You can check the website out, hustleisthehack.com. My name is Pierre Holsebus and this was sales tip number one for fiscal year 2023. I hope you had a great time. I hope you had a great day. Check us out on the webs, on the interwebs, and I'll talk to you real soon.